Well, happy Mother's Day. I tell you, the uh, <clears throat> Mother's Day is, for me, uh, one of the most difficult days to preach because, oh, how do you preach? What message do you go to? Where do you go in Scripture? And uh, so it's always a challenge. You know, I don't have a problem preaching to the fellows on Father's Day, uh, but Mother's Day is a different story, so it's a little bit uh, uh, tricky. But anyways, today I was thinking about mothers, and I was thinking about uh, one word to wrap up a healthy mama, uh, a healthy mother, and that would be a giver. Uh, a sacrificial servant. That's what they do. That's who they are. And so today I'm just going to talk about the subject of being a giver, the giver. And I don't know about you, but uh, I want to be a giving person. I want to be a generous person uh, in life. And I don't think you have to be a mother uh, to be generous. We all need to be givers. And so God help me uh, again to be a giver. The Bible says in Philippians chapter number 2, uh, verses 3 and 4, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Uh, as Christians, obviously it's impossible uh, to experience the abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give you uh, uh, unless you are a generous person, unless you are a giver. Uh, if I'm not a giver, uh, then I am not going to experience the abundant life that Jesus Christ has for me. And so God helped me again to learn to be a giver. In fact, Acts chapter 20, verses number 35, Acts 20 and verse number 35, the Bible says uh, this, and everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, I'm so grateful today for our mothers. And uh, again, healthy mothers are, in fact, uh, givers. When you talk about uh, what they do and who they are and all that they have done from the very beginning, uh, as they become a mother, they uh, have a little baby that takes up residence in their womb. The little living room is the mother's womb. And uh, for nine months, she carries uh, that little baby. And, uh, and then the birthing process obviously goes without saying. What a selfless act on the part of mothers. And then once that baby is born, uh, there's the feedings and the diapers and the sleepless nights. It's interesting uh, how many times uh, through the night uh, dads just can sleep through it. Uh, how, we, we, we hear that cry. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. You ever heard the cry and just sat there and waited because you knew that as soon as mama hears it, she's going to go take care of that little baby? Y'all honest men today? All right, I'm just, I'm just curious. I was just wondering if I was the only one that did that. Uh, 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 you know, when you think of a mother, and, and through the night, just the feedings through the night, I'm grateful to God for, again, the sacrificial service of a healthy mama, the picking up after the babies, the picking up after the husbands, all that they do. I'm grateful to God for our mothers. In fact, when you talk about picking up, uh, I heard a story about a second grade teacher that was teaching on the subject of magnets. They were talking about magnets and what magnets do and how they worked. And, and, and at the end of the day, she thought, well, I'm going to give a quiz and everybody's going to get a 100 because we've been talking about magnets, 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 magnets all day long. And so she said, okay, <clears throat> what am I? What am I? Uh, I start with M, six letters to my name, and I pick things up. 
50% of the kids said, mother, <laughs> you're a mother. And, uh, and, and so I think about what our mothers have done, and I'm grateful to God once again for our mothers, giving mothers. Hey, let me just encourage you this morning, seriously. You will never, ever, this side of heaven, understand the impact that you have made in the lives that God has entrusted to your care. Thank you. So many times what happens is we get caught up in the mundane, everyday moments of life and wonder, what in the world am I doing? And oftentimes you will find people that say, man, I've got to figure it out. I've got to go live my life. When the fact of the matter is, God gave you children. What a blessing. There's nothing more significant than in investing into the life of a little child. In fact, when you're talking about the responsibility, and not only the responsibility, but the weight of the call, the magnitude of that calling. I would rather, hey, I would rather have a good mama than a good president. Y'all all right? Thank you. <laughs> I am thankful for, again, our mothers. This text today, we don't have to be a mom to be a giver. God help us to be givers. In fact, it was President John F. Kennedy that said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Same can be said for us as Christians, asking not what God can do for us, although he does everything for us. There's nothing we can do apart from him. However, ask not what he can do for me, but what I can do for you, Lord Jesus. You have been so good to me. How can I be a giver? John chapter 12, looking at a Familiar story, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says it like this. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Now Mary then took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, oh, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Therefore Jesus said, Let her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, <clears throat> but you do not always have me. Uh, the large crowd of the Jews then learned that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing <clears throat> in Jesus. And today, just talking again about how I can be a giver. When you're looking at this story, it's an interesting story, the setting of the story in this little town of Bethany. Bethany just so happened to be about two miles away from Jerusalem, and the story tells us that it was just a few days before Passover. In other words, for the Lord Jesus Christ, we're talking about the cross. He's in the shadows of the cross. It is on its way. He knows what's awaiting him. It's coming soon. And yet here, a group of believers gather together in the home of one, and, uh, and, and they gather together for the purpose of encouragement. When you look at the gathering and when you look at this place that, where it's happening, don't you know that the Lord Jesus received great encouragement as he gathered together? In fact, when you read this story in the other accounts, Matthew chapter number 26 tells us that, that they were actually in the home of Simon the leper. Uh, it was Simon the leper's home where they happened to be. And so we're talking about 
uh, uh, these people gathering together who are sharing stories, who are sharing testimonies about how this one, Jesus Christ, changed my life. He took the life of a leper, a life of a man who was helpless. There's nothing he could do for himself, and yet Jesus Christ came, and he healed him. And so he went from being Simon the leper to Simon the follower of Jesus Christ with great, great life. Not only was he there, but the Bible says also at that meeting there was Lazarus. Lazarus, the one who was dead for four days. The one who would go out and just share with people, hey man, all I know is I was dead for four days. And Jesus came and he gave me life where I was dead. And they would share their stories. What great encouragement was gathered. Jesus Christ, knowing what was awaiting him, the weight of the cross, could have easily said, you know what, I really don't want to be around people right now because I got a lot on my heart. I got a lot on my mind. I just want to stay home all to myself. And all too often what happens to us along the way is rather than gathering with the believers, we have all kinds of reasons why I don't really want to gather with brothers and sisters. And as a result, we miss out on times of encouragement. Sometimes you're the one that needs the encouragement, but you say, man, the weight of the world is keeping me from that place. And what a terrible decision to make. I mean, while the waves are crashing and the winds are blowing in your life and you're going through difficulties, you need to stay in the boat. You need to gather together with God's people. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25, let us not forsake the assembling as some are in the habit of doing, but let us continue. Why? So that we might encourage one another to good works serve as a place of encouragement. God, help me. And so today I just want to encourage you. Again, it brings significance to our gatherings when we come with intention. What's the intention for the gathering? Well, to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but also, God, I want to be used by you as an encouragement to others along the way. And sometimes you are here to serve as an encouragement to others. Sometimes it's to receive that encouragement when you're going through difficult days. But I tell you, sometimes what happens to us is we skip out because we're living... Living it up. Man, God's blessed. I'm just going to be on the road. And, and, and we just check out. We just check out. All of a sudden, you know what I'm talking about. You don't see people for months on end. And all of a sudden, it's like, where you been? Man, God's just been so good to me. He's been so good that you don't even gather with the family of God for worship. And you know what happens is, is in your goodness, God helped me to be a blessing to others, not just be consumed with my own life. These people gathered together, man. They could have been a lot of different places, but they were gathering together in this moment, in this house, in the shadows of the cross. And I think there was a lot of encouragement that was happening, learning how to be a giver. Do you know we have life, and we have an abundant life because Jesus gave his all. Aren't you thankful for what he did for you? Jesus Christ, man, he was in heaven on the throne, seated on the throne. And when it was time, he stepped off the throne and came down and was born of a virgin in a little obscure town in a manger in the town of Bethlehem. And he lived a perfect and sinless life. And he who knew no sin, he took your place and he took my place and he laid down his life on the cross for you and for me he didn't hold anything back he laid down his life so that you might have life and have it more abundantly what a giver was jesus christ god help me learn how to be a giver and so the question from this text would be how can i be a giver what do i need to give along the way well we learned several different lessons i think from the lives that are lived 
uh, in front of us. And so here's some lessons that we live on how to give, what to give. What do you mean to be a giver? The first one comes from uh, uh, the work of Martha. Give, give my work to Jesus. Give my work, number one, to Jesus Christ. Verse number two, so they made a supper uh, there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Now, when we read this passage of Scripture, oftentimes we think of Martha, and we think of the Martha <clears throat> of old, the Martha of yesteryear, the Martha who complained about others not serving. You remember that story? came from Luke chapter number 10, Martha. And, and in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 41, the Bible tells it like this. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone, <clears throat> then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but this uh, only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, <clears throat> we can serve with the wrong motive of heart, and it's not even a blessing to the one whom we are serving. It's about proper perspective, and she learned a lesson along the way. This gathering is a different gathering, and in this gathering, she just so happens to be continuing to serve, but she was serving with a different perspective, a different attitude of heart. She was doing it. Why? Because he is worthy to be served, and that's how we learn the joy of serving. The Bible tells it like this, Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. You know, if we're not careful, we can be so distracted with our service, with our work, and we can wonder who else is going to do, what are they going to do, and how are they going to do, when the fact of the matter is you are a unique child of God, uniquely gifted, and we just need to be faithful to serve in whatever capacity He allows us to serve, and to serve as unto the Lord. It's not about serving someone else, but in the name of Jesus, I'm serving you. And, and, and I pray to God that you would have that same perspective in your service. But it's lonely sometimes serving the Lord. You look around and you think, man, where is everybody else? And, and, and don't you know that some of the super saints of old, when we look back through Scripture, uh, struggled with loneliness along the way? I think that Noah would have been one that would have struggled with great loneliness over a hundred years, building a boat, because God called him to do the work. But God gave him that work. It wasn't for anybody else. So don't be distracted in looking around. Joseph, God was doing a great work in preparing Joseph while he was, served, while he was in a pit and in a prison. And yet at the same time, in the midst of all of that, that was God's specific call for him, leading him and preparing him for the work that God Almighty had for him. There are times of loneliness. Don't you know that Jesus Christ on the cross, he was the only one that could die on the cross. And it was the only way to save you and me. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when you think about Jesus Christ and when you think about his life in the garden, just before he laid down his life for you and for me, he was praying to the Father in heaven. And as he was praying to the Father in heaven, he said, man, if, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let it be that way. But if there's not, I'll do it. And he did it. 
God help us to serve in such a way. And as parents, listen, God has entrusted you with an incredible gift, an incredible work in teaching and training up a child. That's one of the works. If you are a mother, if you're a mother, you're a father, God has entrusted you with a phenomenal work. There's no higher calling. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for the works that He's prepared for us in advance. And if you're a mother today, if you're a father today, He prepared that work for you and entrusted you. And God, help us recognize in those times of loneliness, in those times when I look around and think, Man, what about my life? What about me? Well, aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't say that? said, I, I, I'll do it to the glory of God, to learn to be a giver. In fact, the Bible says in Galatians 6 and verse number 9, let us not, <clears throat> it says, uh, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we shall reap a harvest if we do not give up. And a lot of times what we do in the midst of our work, we throw in the towel. And part of that, and, and these were interconnected this morning, part of that is because we don't understand the worthiness of the one to whom we work. He's worthy of my work. <clears throat> Don't throw in the towel. Keep on working. There's a great work to be done. Not only is there a great work to be done, the Bible goes on into verse 3 and talks about the worship of Mary. Give worship to Jesus Christ. Give your worship to Jesus Christ. Mary took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But, Jesus, uh, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now he said this, not because... He was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had not, as he had the money box, he used to pilfer it. He said, let her alone. You're always going to have the poor with you, but you're not always going to have me. Worthy of the worship. Do you know that worship and worthy are words that are connected? We worship what we deem worthy. Is he worthy of worship? What is worthy of my worship? Who or what do I live for? And so how we answer that question is what we deem valuable or worthy. Are they worthy of my time? Are they worthy of my treasures? Are they worthy of my talents? So when you're talking about worship, worship and worthiness are interconnected. And so the question that we all have to ask is, is he worthy of my worship? Is he worthy of my Worship. It's amazing what we deem worthy of our best, worthy of our first. We, it's, it's amazing what links we will go to. I, I mean, and I'm not throwing a rock this morning, but I'm just simply saying it's, it's interesting, is it not, that, that, that we don't have problems when we want to enhance facilities out at Florida State and pay hundreds of millions of dollars so that we can sit comfortably seven times a year. <laughs> And, 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 we, and we invest thousands of dollars and we make time commitments such that you don't ask me to go anywhere or be anywhere. Why? Because I will be, God willing, there. Why? Because it's first in my life. That's why. 
see, we, we, deem thing, we deem a lot of things worthy of worship, and the question that has to be asked is, is Jesus Christ worthy? And, and, and we got to be careful just because, hey, listen, just because we make a commitment to being in church every single Sunday doesn't necessarily mean that we deem him worthy. It may just be because I'm a religious person and I don't really understand grace. <laughs> God help me. Mary was one that understood he is worthy. 300 denarii, one year's worth of wages. I mean, she brought some perfume to the house, and it wasn't Old Spice. <laughs> it was, you know, when I was in middle school, Brute 33, man, I thought that was the deal, boy. And, uh, that's, not what he, that's not what she brought. She brought the good stuff. One year's wages. Why? Because he is worthy of my best. He's worthy. And the question has to be asked, is he worthy of your best? David, regarding an offering, said, man, I'm not going to give something to the Lord. That's not a sacrifice to me. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse number 24. However, the king said to Aruna, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. You know, if we're not careful, what happens to us is we grow accustomed to giving God leftovers. And the question is, is he worthy of my best? Is he worthy of my first? Is he worthy of my time commitment? Is he worthy of my treasures? Is he worthy? It's a great question to ask yourself. Search our hearts this morning. You know, I think about where the church is today, and I think about where our world is today, and, and some of you that have been here long enough have heard us go into Fourth of July times, and we are grateful. I am so thankful for our nation. We're not a perfect nation, but I'm thankful to God for our nation. Uh, uh, but, but I think about our nation, and I think about this world in which we live, and I don't believe that, the, that we're experiencing the problems in this world because of the government. I believe we're experiencing the problems of this world because of the church. Because he's no longer worthy of my first. I've grown accustomed to giving him my leftovers. I mean, you think about the commitment level that we have to being all that Christ intends for us to be, whether it be my witness, whether it be my worship, whatever it is, my works, whatever those things are. Am I faithful? Am I obedient? Is he first in my life, or is it just simply a leftover? I think about the commitment level in most churches. I would suggest to you <clears throat> that if a little league team at any park, you pick a park, you go to the place, if there were a team that had the commitment level of most churches, they'd be last place in their league every year. Got no time for practice, coach. I'm not showing up to that game. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll be there, maybe I won't. And we grow accustomed to giving God 
our leftovers and as a result miss out on so many opportunities. You don't know, I don't know, when we're going to have that opportunity to come into contact with somebody as we gather together, just our gathering places alone, how you can inspire people, how you can change lives just because you're here and looking for opportunity just simply to be the hands and feet of Jesus to somebody that you come into contact with. And I know that some of you are saying, yeah, well, you can do that out in the world too. Absolutely you can. However, you need to gather together with the brothers and sisters of God for the purpose of encouragement on the Lord's day. That's what we do. That's what the church does. That's who we are. It's amazing, you say, man, I don't have a, I don't have a position. It's not about having a position in the church. It's about being a faithful son or a daughter to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's it. That's what it's about. It's amazing the people that have impacted my life. I've shared with you before one of the greatest people in my life who have moved my heart more than most is a fellow that never, ever has sung a song, never, ever has taught a lesson, never, ever even spoke word to me, but he was here. And he cried with me. <clears throat> is he first? You know, when you're talking about worship, our worship is going to be costly. It's going to cost us. But am I giving God my best time? Am I giving God? Number two, when you're talking about worship, you can't compare yourself to other people. It's not about comparing myself to somebody else. It's about me being who God created me to be. Unique. You're blessed differently. You're gifted differently. It's not about measuring up or, or, or comparing myself to somebody else. It's just simply about me being a faithful me. And it's amazing what God can do through ordinary people. <clears throat> Give God as he has given to you. You know, we look at Scripture, and in fact, it's amazing how many people in Scripture he uses. In fact, when it comes to just the person who says, man, I'm just going to be generous with what he's given me. It was a widow with two mites that we still, a couple thousand years later, talk about and are encouraged by her act it doesn't it's, it's not about me going out and 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 saying man i'm going to do some amazing huge gigantic it's just being faithful with what you have that's what it's about <clears throat> not comparing to other people why because you are not them and they're not you but don't ever underestimate the influence that god has given to you Understanding this, that if I'm a serious follower of Jesus Christ, there's going to be times of criticism. You know, it's interesting when you read this story, the one who cries the loudest gives the least. In fact, he was a getter rather than a giver. And that's what happens oftentimes, especially in church families. Oftentimes you've got people that are, speak the loudest, give the least. <laughs> All right. All that to say, <clears throat> I think of parents, and, uh, and, and what message are we sending to our children? When it talks about our worship, what message are we sending to our children, for real? Here's two different messages, and let me ask you this question. Which one are you sending to the kids? One message says this, <clears throat> really, Jesus and worship is an encroachment on our good times that we have in this world. 
Y'all all right? I mean, it's an encroachment on, our, on, 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 on the best times that we have. Or, this world really is encroaching on our intimate times with Jesus. What do my habits and practices tell my kids when they look at my life? Is Jesus worthy of my best? Am I spending quality time with him? We could linger there a long time. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting when, you, again, you look at this story, you go back to chapter 26, and in chapter 26, when Jesus defends the gift that's given to him, the worship, Jesus says, hey, can I tell you something? What she's done for me, she's going to be remembered for after her death. She's going to be remembered for how she gave. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> I, I was thinking about these thoughts, a couple thoughts here. Number one was funerals. <clears throat> Done a lot of funerals over the year. And when you, when, when you get to the end of your life, when you get to the end of your life, I've never, I've never been a part of a funeral. Legit, I've never been a part of a funeral where anyone got up and talked about the possessions they accumulated. I, I, I never heard. I, I've, never, I've never seen that. I've never heard that. You wouldn't believe the ladder that this person climbed. I've never heard that. You know what I've heard, though? How generous they've been. The difference they made in people's lives. The investments that you gave to others. That's what you hear. And when you think about the things that we do for the Lord Jesus Christ, the ripple effect never stops. Isn't it interesting? I mean, if, if, if we say, man, I want my life to count. And I hope you do. But if I'm going to make significant difference with my life, then I need to invest it in such a way that the ripple effect will carry on after me. And the question is, am I working for Jesus? Am I worshiping Jesus? Because only those things that are done for him will last. <clears throat> Jesus defends and says, hey, it's going to continue to carry on after her. Are we giving him our best? And then we have the witness of Lazarus. Interesting. Lazarus, the Bible says in verse 9 and following, large crowd of Jews then learned that he was there, talking about Lazarus, and they came uh, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they also might see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. And this morning, just talking about the witness of Jesus, the witness of Jesus. Are we giving our witness for Jesus? Are we giving our witness for Jesus? Are you sharing your story? Don't ever underestimate your story. Lazarus was one that said, man, let me tell you something. I was dead. I'm alive. And you say, yeah, but that was Lazarus. He was dead for four days. All right, let me give you another one. John chapter 4. The Samaritan woman who was an outcast, looked down upon by everybody in society as just the dirty woman that's been all around the place. She met Jesus Christ, goes back to town. And many, on account of her story, came to believe in Jesus Christ. It's about what he's done in your life. And let me encourage you to be a faithful witness for him. And you know where it starts? It starts in the home. 
So let me ask you a question, moms and dads. Do your children know how special Jesus is to you? I mean, your walk has to match your talk. Some of you may say, oh yeah, they know it, they see it. Okay, that's fine, but have they heard it? Have they heard it? And so I just want to encourage you today <clears throat> to give you witness for Jesus. But let it begin even in the home. A lot of you are going to have opportunities for lunch today, maybe dinner today to be with the family. I want to encourage you, tell them how special Jesus is to you. God, help us be found faithful and giving. Giving Jesus our work, giving Jesus our worship, giving Jesus our witness. To do that, to give Jesus, you got to have Jesus. And you got to be saved. And this morning, I don't know where you are. Maybe you're here because it's Mother's Day. Just want to honor my mama. Can I tell you something? God Almighty loves you. He knows everything about you. He knows that I have struggles. He knows I have weaknesses. He knows that I have sinned and fallen short of his glory. And he demonstrated his great love for you and for me and that while I was still a sinner, Jesus Christ died for me and he died for you. He shed his blood on the cross so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And today, if you will call on his name, the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're saved by grace. I'm not giving my works to be saved, but because I am saved. I'm not giving songs of worship or money because I want to get right with God, but because I am right with God. I'm not giving a witness unless I've got a story to tell. <laughs> and so this morning, if you've got no story, call on his name. Call on his name while you may. Would you join me for a time of prayer this morning? This morning we're going to pray, and after we pray, we're going to sing a song of closing, and after that song has been sung, we're going to wait for you this morning right down here. If you've never called on his name, I'm inviting you to call on his name today. After this service is over, we have another baptism that's going to be happening in the other building. And I'd encourage you to come over and celebrate. God's still saving people. If you're here today and you've never called on his name, call on his name today. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this moment today. We thank you for your goodness. God, you have been so good to us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for this moment, God, that you've given to us to respond. So, Lord Jesus, I pray for faith. I pray for strength. God, I thank you for our mothers today. I pray that you bless them. I pray that you help us know how to honor them. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.